I am afraid that I have much news, and most of it is terrible. Welcome to The Mind Killer, the rationalist brain on politics. As always, I'm Wesley Fenza. I'm Inyash Brodsky. And I'm David. And this is Roxanne, uh, who will probably be chiming in periodically throughout the recording, uh, because she is a two-year-old. And we are recording in the afternoon today, so my two-year-old is here. Do you call her Roxy for, for short? We do. Awesome. That's a cute name. Yes. Uh, yes. In, in principle, I oppose parents giving their uh, their um, children legal names that they don't intend to call them, because it's just condemning your child to a lifetime of looking like a jackass anytime they need to give someone their legal name, such as when they're trying to fly. Um, which is why, uh, my oldest daughter is going to be named Alex Alexandra, middle name Spearman. Um. What? Yeah, yeah, that definitely won't make them look like a jackass. Well, no, because no one ever talks about middle names, and they certainly don't talk about, like, second middle names. Yeah, no, no, you're so. totally right. If you don't want your child to look like a jackass, definitely name them that. <laughs> <laughs> David has solved it. <laughs> uh, anyway, David, you have some gloating to do about uh, a previous episode. Yeah, so I previously, uh, when I was talking about how Australia sucks, uh, talked about how they implemented this really invasive um, uh, COVID uh, quarantine compliance check app. Uh, that they were requiring people to use. And then they wrote in uh, big letters in uh, Sharpie uh, not to be abused as a uh, civil rights violation. Well, if they used it, if they wrote it in Sharpie. Well, it, well, it turns out they thought it was a Sharpie. It was actually a dry erase marker. Um, womp, womp. And uh, so mistake. the Australian police immediately started trying to get access to that for investigative purposes. Um, and then I said, like, the courts are doing a reasonably good job of rebuffing them. Uh, but that, but I predicted that that would only last so long. Well, as far as I know, there haven't been any developments in the Australia story, but turns out a basically identical story has been happening in New Zealand, except without the courts doing a good job of rebuffing them. Um, so yeah, I, I know I didn't technically specify that in advance, but Australia and New Zealand are basically the same. Uh, and yes, I did specifically say that to trigger our Australian and New Zealander listeners. Come at us, Kiwis. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm still chalking that up as a correct prediction for David. Oh, wait, uh, let, me, let me put this in a language you'll understand. Come at us, Kiwis. <laughs> yes, quite. Um... Uh, and yeah, the, the New Zealand Parliament is considering, uh, strengthening data privacy protection specifically around this, uh, um, COVID tracking stuff, uh, but apparently they have enough veto points that the Labour Party is holding out, and that holdout is actually stopping the bill from going through. I don't know if that's because the Labour Party are an outright majority or if they just need, like, a supermajority or whatever the fuck. Um, 
But yeah, I thought leftists were supposed to be against this kind of thing. Um, and like, I talk a lot of shit about the left, but honestly, it's because I love them. Uh, in America, at least. Or at least I hate them less than I hate the right, for the most part. Um, and yeah, it sucks that uh, New Zealand is trying to do a good thing. And the people who are sometimes vaguely, generally, more or less on the somewhat libertarian-ish side, on, for the most part, are uh, stopping them from doing so. So, fuck you guys, New Zealand Labor Party. Yeah, that sucks. Uh, all right. So, into the news from the past two weeks. Uh, the first thing we're going to talk about is this uh, Build Back Better bill, which That's is uh, <laughs> yeah the, the $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill, uh, which we've mentioned a couple times. Uh, the, the big news about it this week is that, you know, the Democrats are doing all their backroom dealing and shit. And... Um, Kirsten Cinema is like really ruining the parts that could that people might actually like. Um, these are not even like the best parts of the bill, but she's against. She's she's finally admitted because for a long time it was like nobody knew what her problem was. Now she's admitted that the parts that she wants taken out are the parts where they tax the rich and the part where they allow Medicare to negotiate drug prices, which coincidentally are the most popular portions so what this is like i feel like this is going to be obamacare again where it's just whatever comes out of this sausage making process is going to be so like chopped up and incoherent that everyone's just going to hate it and even if it does anything good people aren't going to realize it and it's just the democrats are going to be running away from it for the next six years well, given that the uh, part of the Build Back Better that's supposed to uh, expand access to child care has as its uh, be-all and end-all for that expansion, uh, restricting the supply of child care, I think that's a pretty safe bet. Well, I don't think it actually it does makes that. makes licensing requirements. Uh, so... So so basically, it implements a bunch of, like, really stringent, like, compliance requirements, and then subsidizes the fuck out of it. So it's going to make it harder to do, um, uh, which would normally cause a massive price rise, and then subsidize it so that it doesn't cause a massive price rise, which I, uh, recent, or earlier today, I learned the delightful phrase the self-licking ice cream cone where <laughs> the government creates a problem so that it can then expand its own power and control and tax base and so on fixing the problem that it created and that's just what this is at least as far as the child care goes my understanding is that the child care provisions and obviously there's no final bill yet but my understanding is that the um the new regulations only apply to childcare facilities who are taking the subsidies. So status quo childcare will still be legal and those places can still operate. Um, they'll just be competing with um, different ones that are accepting the subsidies that then have str and stricter the requirements. the licensing requirements aren't going to apply to those? That's my understanding. Now, again, this is not a final bill, so... They, I, I could definitely see the Democrats being like, you know what? Let's just uh, make everyone comply with this 
But as of right now, the proposal is to only apply the new, um, the new th- requirements to the facilities that want the subsidies. Yeah, so I would be less bad. Uh, so my source, my source for this is a uh, John Cochran um, blog post. I don't remember whether he goes into enough detail for me to be able to evaluate that, but the uh, bit that I'm drawing on is linked in the show notes. Um, so if our list, if our listeners want to give that a thorough reading. Uh, and see if they can sort that out. They're welcome to. Uh, otherwise, this is kind of a digression, and I'm sorry about that. Yeah, uh, my source is... Which isn't is... to say we can't keep talking about <laughs> it if you guys want to, but yeah. Oh, no, my source is I don't even remember. Because uh, okay. I didn't uh, I didn't know we were going to talk about this, so I didn't look it up. Yeah, um, but I, I have been hearing about this all for weeks, and, and somebody definitely said that, that... And one of one of the things I read, so could be right, could be wrong. I don't know. And anyway, it doesn't matter because the bill isn't final yet. Yep. Um, Joe Manchin is holding it up too, but he and he also is like, well, I don't want to expand Medicare benefits for dental, vision, and hearing. Um, which you know that's popular, but also at least makes a little bit of sense because that would be very expensive. And he's like, I don't want this to be this expensive. Um, he's also against the um, anti-coal stuff, but he's from a coal state and everybody knows that. So, of course, he's against that. Uh, so, you know, Manchin's being a butthole, but we all he's he's at least making sense. Cinema is just being a butthole for who knows what reason. It's it's kind of interesting that the two Democratic holdouts are are for distinctly pro-Democrat uh, policies that they want removed. Yeah, well, and it'll be interesting to see if Cinema gets a uh, primary challenge when she's up for re-election. Because everyone's really pissed off at her, and she's not in a position like Manchin is, where he's like, he's the only guy who could win in West Virginia. Cinema's from Arizona. They have another Democratic senator that doesn't act like this. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if uh, she manages to hang on there. All right, next story. Uh, Steve Bannon has been held in contempt of Congress. And it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Yay! <laughs> um, this is part of the January sixth commission that the Republicans didn't want to be involved a part of. With the January sixth thing? Yeah, man. He's like he was all over the internet, being like, "Yo, man, huge January sixth rally. We're gonna go there and do stuff." And exactly what he said they were huh, gonna do okay. is what's at issue. Didn't realize he was all in that. Uh, yeah, man. Bannon is like still very active Alrighty. on the right wing internet. Um, and for those who don't remember, Bannon is like this actual like super racist uh, Trump advisor that was there for like the first year or so of the Trump administration. Um, he's almost certainly the source for that Fire and Fury book that got written uh, and just all around a really like shithead. Um, he is so he was co- subpoenaed by this January 6th commission and does doing the Trump thing of like being like, hey, fuck off. Uh, But he is not Donald Trump, and much like most people who are not Donald Trump who try the shit Donald Trump pulls, he's in trouble. Uh, So they've held him in contempt of Congress. Um, You know, it's actually not that clear he's going to be in actual trouble from this, because all it does is send it to the Department of Justice, and then they have to decide if they should prosecute him. Um, Now, the Department of Justice is pretty liberal these days, so they probably will prosecute him. So. Yeah. 
and it is it is vaguely possible that they might descend to uh decide to send Nancy Pelosi out to detain him. Um whereby Nancy Pelosi I mean the sergeant at arms of the uh Congress, but they haven't done that since like eighteen twelve or whatever. So. Yeah, that's what they should do, and they're definitely not going to because they are cowards. Hmm. What do you think, Roxy? You think they should arrest Steve? Bannon? Yeah, I was wondering, like, if he's found yeah. in contempt of Congress or whatever, what actually happens? Does anything happen? Well, that's a that's a it's a criminal charge. It's a felony. So he, you know, he goes to court. A judge decides his uh, sentence. It can be up to a year in jail, um, or you know, fines like any other huh. crime. Um, it would probably not be jail time because I think it's his first criminal offense. Roxy, are you very upset about that? Do you want him to get jail time? But as David said, the Congress does have the inherent power to arrest people it's holding in contempt. Um, they can designate a sergeant-at-arms to go and do that, which is, I would thought, what they should have done to Trump. And I definitely think they should do it to Bannon. Uh, I don't get this, like, oh, we're going to issue subpoenas, and if you ignore them, then, like, maybe there will be some consequences, I guess. Like, that's a terrible precedent to set. Um... If you issue, don't issue a subpoena if you're not going to enforce really it. It's weird to me that Congress like has that power. I always thought that was a thing that like courts and police do, and and I just it felt strange that Congress apparently has like a dude with a gun that goes and does things for them. Doesn't sound doesn't feel legal. Well, it's probably because it hasn't been done in over a hundred years. But I guess technically it is since they literally yeah. make the laws. Yeah, man. I say bring it back. Maybe we can duel about it. <laughs> That'll be sweet. Duel between yeah. Bannon and Pelosi. They're like, all right, if I shoot you, you have to come well, uh, testify or die, <laughs> one of the two. Well, Nancy Pelosi is one of the uh, uh, six concealed carry uh, permit holders in California, so she's probably a sharpshooter. <laughs> <laughs> all right, next story. Also, friendly reminder, insider trader and richest congresswoman Nancy Pelosi thinks that uh, California's draconian gun laws are for you peasants and not for important people like her. Thank you, David. Of course. All right, next story. Uh, Joe Biden is planning on reinstating the Remain in Mexico policy. Uh, The Remain in Mexico policy is for asylum seekers who come up through Mexico. Uh, Before Trump, they were allowed into the country, um, got a hearing date, and were like, okay, go do whatever until your hearing date, um, and then show up on this date, which is usually like a year later because the courts are so backed up. Uh, Trump instated a a policy he was calling Remain in Mexico, which means if you want asylum, you can apply at the port of call, um, but you can't come into the country. You have to stay in Mexico if that's where you're coming from. Um, Biden is, there was a lot of, uh, I saw some like right-wing websites making a huge deal about this, that like Biden reversed himself. He didn't actually. A federal judge ordered him to do this, so that's what he's doing. Uh, apparently, uh, much like Trump couldn't just reverse a bunch of Obama policies for um, administrative reasons, Biden also can't just like reverse Trump policies for the same administrative administrative reasons so the judge ordered him to reinstate the policy um pending you know doing it the right way um biden says okay but he has to wait on approval from mexico uh but it looks like that policy is going to be put back um so we have an important question here is what are your guys uh, takes well if they're going to keep this remain in mexico policy they're gonna have to find some way to keep people on the mexican side of the border which might entail horse whips or border walls no we can't do any of that those are both bad okay 
I mean, also, I think we covered that supposed yeah. horsewhip story, right? And that was not actually, no yeah. one was actually getting horsewhipped. I mean, they were getting hit with reins that looked and probably felt a lot like horsewhips. Yeah, fair enough. When you're hitting someone with a braided piece of leather, I feel like rounding that off to whip is not an inexcusable uh, journalistic decision. So he's spoken like someone who's <laughs> never been whipped, which is actually surprising. Uh, I have actually been whipped. Yeah, right? Not with a... Uh, not but not with, with a um, whip? Reins. I believe one of the key features of a whip is that it starts out wide and gets thin at the end, which allows it to get really intense energies at the tip when it's flipped right. And I don't think you can do that with just any piece of braided leather, so even though it would hurt a lot, I don't think it would have quite the uh, flesh-splitting capabilities that a legit whip would. But um, that is not to excuse rain whipping. Uh, I still think that is, you know, a bad thing that hurts people. At least they're not rat-tailing people. That's inexcusable. Is that where you grow out a little rat tail like vanilla ice and try to whip people with it? No, that's that's what that's where you do it oh, with a towel. That's just yeah, you like you like twist up a wet towel and then use it as a whip. It's hard. I've never heard it called as well. Yeah, so but badly. I've never heard it called rat tailing before. No, oh yeah, you make a little you rat tail out of the towel. People. Anyways, the um, I, right. I, all right. They need Mexico's permission to implement this policy. Yeah, that's confused me too. But Biden keeps saying that. I guess, I mean, it makes sense, I guess, that like it's better sure. if Mexico's cooperating. But I don't, I don't see why the United States would need Mexico's permission Maybe to not let people. They're still trying to get them the to pay for the wall, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's gonna happen any any day now, guys. Um, but so I, I actually like the Remain in Mexico policy. I, I'm sort of on David's side here about how we should just have open borders. Um, but if we're going to have borders. Like, the idea that you can let people in for, like, an entire year while awaiting their hearing um, seems very silly. That's just like asking for tons of uh, undocumented immigration, and that's what you get. So I understand the thinking behind it. Yeah, I mean, even if we aren't going to full open borders, I feel like we could also just generally liberalize the our migration policy in a way that there's not a year-long backlog for those hearings. Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? But uh, I think I need to, like, study more about borders, or we should interview a border expert or something, because the whole the whole concept behind borders, I thought, was that, like, there's this line you don't cross, and apparently that's not what a border is at all, and people cross it freely, but there's weird laws about what they can do, so I'm just confused about this whole border concept. The, the Remain in Mexico well, idea sounds more like what I uh, thought borders were. Yeah, I mean, we're trying to stop them, but Democrats only do it, like, really half-heartedly. Um... Trump actually did stop a lot of migration over the Mexican border. Um, but Roxy is upset because this is all a distraction of, from the fact that uh, our immigration system is entirely stupid. <laughs> I'm glad she weighed in about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is very stupid. Like, the whole reason I'm not entirely for open borders is just I think it would create a big backlash because we'd have tons of, you know, immigrants... And then people would just vote in right-wing parties who would expel all the immigrants uh, and close the borders even harder. Um, on the merits, I think open borders is probably the right policy. But even if we, so, I, but I think we could have like much more liberalization of the immigration system, like David was saying, um, and without, you know, really any any very negative consequences. Um, yeah. So, so just just 
for the sake of completeness. That is a coherent objection to uh, open borders, in theory, uh, but empirically it doesn't seem to happen that often. Um, it's just that, like, whenever you try to liberalize immigration, while you're trying to do it, there's resistance, because there's resistance to everything in America, uh, and then once it goes through, there's a lot of immigration, and people, uh, chill out about the whole thing. See, I don't think that's true. I think Trump was elected in part because there was a bunch of illegal immigration, and people were all pissed off about it. Trump was elected at a time of historic low immigration. Is that right? Yes. But, like, even the illegal immigration? Um, I thought border crossings were up. I They were up from, like, a local um, minimum in, like, 2013, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they weren't up, like, to anywhere near the historic highs. Um, let me see if I can find numbers for that. I think, but I, I do think we could uh, have many, many more legal immigrants in the country, and if we did it right, the people who hate illegal immigrants would barely even notice. I think the if we did it right is a major hurdle there, though. Yeah, but I mean, one of the so one of the, the I think the better ideas out there is uh, heartland visas, where you allow yes. like a city to sponsor immigrants um, because they need population, and to say like, okay, we'll take this many immigrants, so let in that many extra. And just, you know, make their eventual citizenship conditional on staying in this area. Um, Which would get us a lot more people, and they'd go help revitalize some of these dwindling cities. Uh, They'll go exactly where they're needed and where they're wanted, um, which would be great. And then the the haters wouldn't even notice, because they'd only be in the places where people wanted them. Yeah. But for some reason, we're not doing that. Yeah, so I have found a, a little line graph. Um, it has all sorts of different aspects of data uh, on immigration. Uh, the local minimum for um, unauthorized immigrants removed or returned since 2000 was in 2017. Uh, and that is down from the peak in uh, 2000 exactly uh, when it was almost 2 million. So that was, that's that's deportations are you talking about? Is that yes. the number? Okay. Yes, which I assume is correlated with uh, illegal immigration popula- or illegal... Oh, wait. This one actually has a chart for unauthorized immigrant population. Oh, um, good. That's what we want okay. to see. Uh, yeah, this one's actually been pretty much flat since 2007. Now, alright. Um, you know, my, uh, my uh, understanding was also that a, an increase in immigration contributed to Brexit, um, which in hindsight, you know, turns out to turn out to be not a terrible idea. Uh, but I think my understanding is that large amounts of immigration causes backlash. But I would be very interested to to read more about that. So maybe in a future episode, you can recommend something. Uh, and listeners, if you have any information on this, come to the Discord and tell us or email us. Uh, all right. Um, but even if we do liberalize everything, like if we had a super liberal, um, uh, amnesty policy and courts that could hear you in, you know, a couple months rather than 12, uh, you know, I think the, I think it would still make sense to be like, you can't come here until it's approved. Yeah. That I, I don't, I don't get this whole thing where we're like, all right, we're going to release you into the country. Um, and then just show up at your hearing. And then if you're not granted asylum, you know, 
we'll just we'll just trust I mean, that you'll go home. Basically, once you're inside, the nine tenths of the battle is done, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, seems... I, th- this is another place where I'm kind of pro loophole. So I'm having trouble evaluating that argument on the merits of like someone who's not rah rah for immigration. Because I'm just like, yeah, that'd probably make it really easy to immigrate <laughs> illegally if we didn't have Romaine in Mexico. And that's bad? Well, I guess I guess for now, like, given the status quo, I, I guess illegal immigration is better than no immigration at all. Um, I think if we had... If we did manage to improve the system, then I feel like it would make sense to to try to stop the illegal immigration um especially because especially just politically illegal immigration is extremely unpopular so you know having policies that enable that is going to get you to lose elections but yeah i mean i I am certain i am certainly happy to uh trade off legal immigrants for illegal immigrants one-to-one and if like what it takes to get Republicans on board with serious immigration reform is giving them a fucking border wall. I'll give them the goddamn border wall yeah, and right? be grateful for the low price, but if I remember right, we actually tried that, where like the there was a, a big push for a bipartisan immigration bill. Where, a grand like, bargain, they fund, call it. Yeah, where we fully fund the border wall in exchange for um, DACA passing into law. Right, like, not even a big ask. I can't remember if the Republicans stonewall it or if it actually got through and Trump vetoed it, but it did not become the law of the land. So, yeah. clearly that's not a deal that Republicans are willing to go for, and fuck them for yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, I mean the real takeaway here is we should just have much more immigration, and... Yes. However, however we can manage to do that, let's do that. Alright, um, David, the next story is yours. Yeah, so imagine, dear listeners, if you will, that there's a deadly pandemic. And imagine that a government spent a year and a half in that pandemic sneering at a particular kind of testing, including specifically calling out, by name, from the bully pulpit, the lab doing the best work on that sort of testing. Now imagine that, after a year and a half, it becomes clear that bringing the government's preferred method of testing up to scale will not and cannot happen anytime remotely soon. Then imagine that the government, which spent a year and a half telling this lab in the strongest possible terms that they don't want them to reserve any testing or production capacity for government programs, decides they don't want to keep with private hospitals for already contracted for tests, and so they introduce a bill to nationalize the lab. So, my question for you readers, is this the plot of a deep-cut Ayn Rand novel, (laughs) or the actual literal government policy of New Zealand? Oh, oh, it's the Ayn Rand one, right? Because no government would do that. No, dear co-host, it is not. Oh, man. Bummer. Yeah, I, I am just... I, I'm just in awe of how, like, how, like, if you had heard this described in 2018, you would literally think it was bad Ayn Rand fanfic. Yeah, that like, sounds Like, this is uh, literally just Ayn Rand plots. Yeah. I mean, the U.S. isn't, uh, being that much better about this, because they keep 
uh, well, I guess they're being better because I haven't done it yet, but they keep saber-rattling at Moderna. I, um, I've missed this. What are like, they doing to Moderna? Oh, they keep threatening to steal their intellectual property. Uh, and being like, despite the fact that Moderna has already said they're not going to enforce their IP on the, yeah. on the vaccine. Um, uh, Biden's, it's really mostly like, I, I don't think the government's going to do anything because the government is ineffective and impotent. But Biden keeps being like going out of his way to be shitty to Moderna for no reason and talking about how they're like being bad corporate oh, citizens. Oh, he's got to deflect whatever. blame away from their shitty ass government policies. <sighs> yeah, I guess so. But like, guys, Moderna's yeah. the heroes of these stories. If you really want, if you think that their uh, IP protections are going to be bad for the world, just buy them. Yeah, you know, that's what money is for. Just give them money. And so, so then you have the IP and you can do what you want with it. There's no need to just go in and take it. Well, no, they they need to keep all the money to give it to um uh oh what's infrastructure today um trans people subsidizing the uh the massive cost increases in childcare that they're (laughs) mandating or possibly mandating. Oh God, it's so dumb. Yeah. Hey, 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 Joe. You know what's actually infrastructure? <laughs> Vaccine development. Yeah. Um. And I'm normally, you know, I, I'm I'm normally on the don't don't get all worked up about this sort of thing because I'm like, well, little companies are gonna do their thing and make money, and but this is like they're they're no. the heroes of the story. Yeah, they no, saved us. Yeah, no, there's a uh, there's a, um, a study question in David Friedman's Price Theory textbook, and because David Friedman is a giant nerd, it's imagine you are being chased by a horde of a hundred orcs and you only have twenty arrows. How do you get away using economics? And the answer is shoot the orc that's running the fastest, then shoot the next orc that's running the fastest. And by the time you're through 20 arrows, you're in a race against uh, 80 orcs all trying to be the second fastest. <laughs> and that's literally what we're going to have next pandemic if uh, the Moderna vaccine patent gets nationalized. We're going to have a bunch of pharmaceutical companies all trying to be the second one to develop a vaccine. Yeah. Now, thankfully, that's probably not going to happen. And also, they would have to pay them... Um, something for it because the the uh the the constitution does mandate just compensation uh they get to decide what counts as just though don't they yeah i mean the courts have get to decide but it certainly will probably it will probably i would guess that it's less than what the market would bear Uh, yeah how how about whichever court that ends up in front of uh estimate the expected cost of the covid pandemic continuing until we reach heart immunity naturally and then offer that to moderna yeah but this is all just like it's it's mostly about the symbolism why it bothers me because i get really i just really get mad at all the how the left today just takes all the people making our lives better and and just like spews hate at them until and makes it like really a really unattractive prospect to do anything like that um even if it is financially rewarded uh they want to make sure it's not rewarded in high status 
And I'm like, what are you doing? Saving all of us from this fucking pandemic should be the most high status thing you can possibly do. Yeah, Alex Alex Tabarrok likes to joke that uh, uh, progressivism is the sneaking fear that someone somewhere might be turning a profit. Yeah. But, like, there's all this hate now for Amazon. I'm like, oh, Amazon is, like, one of the few com- one of the few organizations on the planet that measurably improves my life. Like, leave them alone. Uh, but it's, like, anyone who's, like, improving things. They're like, oh, we hate you. Uh, and it bothers me. And this is, like, just, like, the latest example. Um, so the Mind Killer podcast doesn't hate you, Moderna. We love you. Um, and isn't that more important than what a bunch of lefties oh, man. think? You're going to get called such a bootlicker now. <laughs> I'm happy to lick the boots of fucking Moderna, whose two doses of their vaccine are in my arm and the reason yeah. I can go outside. All right. Anyone have any more comments about that? Yeah, fuck you, New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, our next story is, I just threw this on the outline, I didn't actually read much about it, but apparently Donald Trump is starting a social media network. I wish him luck. Call- <laughs> it's, it's called Truth Social. It's called Twitter. The T stands for Trump. <laughs> Trump Twitter. I mean, I would like there to be more competition in the social network arena, so if this works out, I think it's it's better for everybody. Um, uh, I, I mean, think this will work out about as well as Trump stakes. <laughs> or alternately, about as well as Parler. What happened uh, to Parler? It was shut down by the uh, big uh, tech companies. They said no Parler for you. No, but they no. came back. No, they were well, back yeah, within a couple but, of days. Uh, yeah, they came back hosted by Russia, but people didn't hear that they came back. So everyone stopped using yeah. it, I think. Oh, so like the J&J vaccine. Yeah, it, yeah. it, it was smothered <laughs> in the crib. And by the time they got back up and running, it was over. I mean, it, it, it was really quite impressive, the, the amount of power that was brought to bear on destroying them. And I was like, wow, that's... I guess that's just the thing that we can do now. That's yeah, not right. intimidating. No, not at all. I'm sure other entrepreneurs are looking at that being like, we should definitely start a social media platform. Uh, yeah, this is mostly just funny because uh, it's not going anywhere, probably. Well. Um, it'll probably just, you know, hmm. be the next parlor. Uh, all right. Uh, Ineash, you were going to tell us about the los angeles port yeah uh as i'm sure everybody knows at this point uh the supply chains across the world have been a mess for a long time and they are getting even worse by the day uh this particular um i guess this is a twitter thread uh from a guy who owns a shipping company it's called flexport so i'm assuming that's what they do maybe they work some other way with ports but uh took a tour of the la port uh, one of the biggest ports in the world, and it is backed up for literally for days. These giant container ships are just weighing weighing anchor. Is that the term? Weighing uh, weighing anchor means like pulling up the anchor so you can oh, leave. Oh, then they're doing the opposite uh, of that. I believe they are riding at anchor. Okay. I think you can just say at anchor. I mean, honestly, I don't even know if they use anchors nowadays. They do. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yes, they are riding at anchor. Okay. Uh, anyways. Container ships sitting for days in line uh, 
and just not moving. The cranes uh, on the in the port are not working, and the whole thing is backed up right now, seemingly bottlenecked at because of empty containers, the the big massive metal boxes everyone's used to seeing. All sorts of regulations about what you can do with them, where you can put them. Apparently, there's only a few places you can stack them, uh, and they can be stacked no higher than two. And a lot of the chassis that are being used to move containers all over the place in the port, off the ships, onto trucks, are just being used for storage for empty containers right now because there aren't <laughs> limits as to where those can be put or how high they can be stacked, aside from, you know, to the, to the point they're not falling over. Uh, and it just keeps getting worse because there's no place to put these containers, so more and more of these chassis are being used up. It's a really interesting Twitter thread if you read through it, and there's proposed solutions for how this could be fixed, um, but they would require things like temporarily loosening regulations, uh, which... I don't know. Is, well, we I know, right? Heaven for yeah. <laughs> uh, or people just ignoring the regulations. But if they were to do that, they'd probably be, be uh, you know, kicked out of business. Maybe thrown in jail. Probably not thrown in jail for a first offense. But you know, your business being taken away uh, is a major problem. Well, they'd certainly be fined enough to make it not in their economic best interest. Yeah, and I don't know. It's it's crazy. This is not the only problem. This is one of the big contributing problems and should definitely be taken care of but the supply chains all around the world are coming up real bad uh there's reports um from truckers saying that parts uh for their maintenance uh are taking a year or longer uh to, to come through wait times of a year for replacement parts for trucks and if that happens and the trucking collapses i mean we're we're going to be back to soviet russia land it's it's not it's not great we really, really could use someone to actually take charge of the situation, as opposed to just Joe saying, like, yeah, you, you, you can work 24 hours a day now at the port. That's that's not going to do very much. There's so many deeper Did, issues. Uh, the Twitter thread talk about how one of the big issues with uh, loading and unloading shipping is because automation has been far more limited um in implementation than the technology allows because every time anyone even thinks the word automation within a hundred miles of a major seaport the uh longshoremen's unions all riot it did not say that in this thread but i'm aware of that as well part of the building back better bill uh is uh for port infrastructure and it no, has a no sorry just just building back better i'm i'm placing a strict limit at three b's per acronym <laughs> okay that's fair no no the fourth b isn't part of the acronym it's the bbb bill i i, I prefer to call it 4b just this less syllables the yeah, but yeah, in that bill, there's a a provision for giving money to ports to build infrastructure, but also comes with the uh, the rider, I guess, the condition that this money can't be used for automation that would replace human jobs, which is like, that's okay. Build back better. <laughs> build By back. which we mean build back the same as we were doing in 1900. Yeah. Build back, but make sure it's not any better. Make sure it's just for ropes and pulleys so that you can get more guys around the ships. Yeah, longer ropes so more guys can pull <laughs> right? them. Right? Uh, yeah, that sucks. Um, Inuyash, I am interested in your call for some authoritarian leader to step in and uh, 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 coerce everyone into, um, into coordinating. Well, I would like to 
That's new for our podcast. The the authoritarian leader would step in to stop people from being coerced into not doing things that might work in in normal times, but uh, but don't work when there's an emergency. Maybe we should have some sort of a uh, I don't know a emergency executive uh, person. Ah, so like emergency powers that they'll just give back when the emergency's just over. Just like it worked yeah. back in ancient Rome times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That sounds perfect. <laughs> yes, and 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 perhaps if the emergency gets bad enough, they might set about reorganizing the uh, uh, republic into oh, I don't know, uh, the the first galactic empire. Let's possibly. let's face it, the Senate doesn't do anything anyway. We may as well dissolve them. <laughs> Um, I I am super in favor of dissolving the Senate, so if Biden wants to do that, I'm there for it. Yeah. And for the counterpoint, see our recently posted bonus episode with Stephen Kent of Beltway Banthas. I would definitely, however, recommend uh, just this Twitter thread. It brings up a bunch of things. Like, apparently, one of the um, container storage sites that's approved is 1,500 miles away in Dallas. And he's like, look, just set up yards 100 miles away and, and stack them there. It, that itself would make a big difference. It's, yeah, Dallas doesn't sound very close to Los Angeles no, at all. No, I'm no geography expert, I, but... Those are different states. Now, I'm no geographist. I guess they have a lot of unused land, as opposed to California, which I guess has none at all in the entire state. Uh, that's not true. Just uh, throw the containers in Yosemite. <laughs> Just throw them back in the bay. <laughs> They'll float to where they need to be. Yeah, right? Um, let the homeless live in them. You can make a sweet house out of a container. You actually probably could. Uh, no, expanding housing supply is also illegal. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. right. I forgot it's a California. The best state government. Yep. Gotta love them. All right. So, wait. So, so Biden did order them to, uh, I guess he ordered them. I don't know. I think he made some kind of deal or something, because I don't think he can actually order this. But he got them to operate 24-7. Um... Which sounds like it should help. The, I mean, that's not the bottleneck. The, the What's the bottleneck? It sounds like the bottleneck the containers? is the, uh, the chassis to move the containers around in the yards. They don't have them anymore because they're being used as storage because it's one of the few legal places they can stack these things. They need to get yeah. the containers out right. and get the chassis moving again. Well, I'm sure the California government's on Well, it. I imagine having more people working longer to figure out where to put these and then put them there won't hurt, even if it's maybe not the <laughs> optimal policy. Yeah. But yeah, I think Inyash is right that that bottleneck is over, but now you just have a new bottleneck. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. So uh, I, I've been on some ADHD medicine lately, which has been great, but it's also given me really weird dreams. And I literally had a nightmare about uh, the, the California, California state government, government recently. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly... If you had asked me, what does David have nightmares about? That's what I would have said. Yeah, I I was uh, driving through California. God knows where I was going, because <laughs> there's nothing on the other side except the ocean. Um <laughs> And I got pulled over and for some reason had my AR-15, which is not California compliant. And then I woke up. (laughs) That is such a David Uh, dream. It really is. It could only be better if, like, some Mass Effect character showed up at the end. Yeah. So. Yeah. Don't don't need a therapist to help me figure that one out. (laughs) Don't, don't worry, I'm sure Commander Bailey will let you off. 
All right. Next story, uh, Eniash has some Hollywood gossip for us. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's not much to say about this. A bunch of people have heard about it before. Alec Baldwin was using a prop gun, and something went wrong, and someone got shot, and now they're dead. Uh, and, you know, that sucks. It, it is a tragedy. There's not much to say about it, aside from I, I just bring it up because this is the same way that Brandon Lee died. And... Uh, and slightly different but yeah yeah similar it was a it was a gun accident on set yeah and uh and he that was in the filming of the crow which is the most goth movie ever if it wasn't just goth enough by its pure substance the fact that it killed its actor in the making just cements it for all time and i know that's kind of tragic and sad but also you know undeniable very on yeah exactly so um i just had to had to mention that again and uh Sorry for the person yeah. that died. Yeah. Guns yeah, aren't sucks. toys. If you're going to be handling them, make sure you know the rules of gun safety and you follow them to the letter. I mean, I'm not sure that needs to apply to prop guns, but... Well, if they're capable of discharging projectiles at killing speed, then yes, it absolutely does. Yeah. Like, obviously, the rule about always keeping it pointed in a safe direction, um, there's only so much you can do to follow that when you're filming something but the great thing about the rules of gun safety is you need to break at least two of them uh in order for someone to die and so if you're handling a a firearm in a capacity that requires you to violate one of them make sure you are following the other three absolutely 1000 percent to the letter which he it seems he was not so i have heard that like the actors are apparently given the gun at the last possible moment. I think part of a safety thing is that, so I'm not sure he has full time to do all that clearing. I, but I have I have heard that this was between shots. Oh boy! And that he was joking around about how the so this is something I would consider suspect at this point. I haven't had it confirmed by a source I trust, but what I heard was they took a shot. The director wanted another take. Uh, Baldwin's um had the prop gun and said, well, you know I could just shoot you right now, pulled the trigger, which, A, don't joke around with guns, B, if you're going to joke around with guns, don't pull the fucking trigger, and that happened to be the uh, accidental live round, and now one person's dead and another person's injured, so don't fuck around. What I've been able to confirm is it was between scenes. Uh, you know, they claim he was practicing, but what else are they going to say? Yeah. Um, this um, on NBC is claiming that an assistant director yelled cold gun, uh, which indicates that it is safe for filming and safe to fire. Um, but yeah, I don't know what the safety protocols are with these kind of things on a movie set. I imagine they have to be different from normal gun safety rules. Um. So I don't know if the actors themselves are supposed to be checking the guns or if there's like a separate person for that uh, or they're both supposed to do that. I don't know. So one thing I have confirmed is that the (coughs) prop master uh, or rather the armorer who was working for the prop master uh, did go on the record uh, during their previous negligent discharge incidents which there were previous negligent discharge incidents which womp, should tell womp. you everything you need to know on this set? um that oh yeah, my god yeah uh and it caused the big stink where a bunch of people walked out because they felt unsafe because they were unsafe 
Uh, normally, I'd just be snarking about um, Hollywood liberals not feeling comfortable around guns, but in this case, I would have been wrong to do so because their concerns were a thousand percent justified. Um, or at least, like, 95% justified. Um, and yeah, uh, after that, but before the actual shooting, she went on the record saying, like, I don't think I'm comfortable to be ensuring that these guns are safe, uh, to use on set. And she was apparently ignored. And, like, one of the, it's not one of the big four, because it's not directly keeping someone from getting shot, but one of the lesser rules of gun safety is if someone doesn't think they're trained enough or skilled enough or experienced enough to do something with a gun don't do don't make them do that thing because <laughs> they're probably right yeah yeah apparently a bunch of the uh crew walked out yep because they didn't feel safe this was like a few hours before this happened. oh my god I, well at least yeah. they they left yeah uh, so that's pretty fucked up. Yeah. Uh, that sucks. Um, all right, and then we have uh, our next story is about rain on the West Coast. I don't know if this is even a story. I just kind of threw it in there because apparently everyone's talking about it. There's a whole lot of rain on the West Coast is, is pretty much the extent well, of the story. Well, that's good, right? It, it, Wasn't the last thing that there was no rain on the West yeah, Coast? Yeah, but now there's too much rain and there's floods. How would you just make up your minds, <laughs> California? God, the worst state. Do you want rain or do you not want rain? Yeah. Oh man, this is apparently this is our hating on California episode. Honestly, isn't every episode our hating on California episode? <laughs> no. In subtext at least. I typically like California. Yeah, I used to quite a bit. Yosemite's great. Mm-hmm. Uh family in San Diego. That's a nice that's a nice town. Hollywood produces um, things that I love a whole lot. Yeah. And the weather's really nice. Usually, apparently, when there's not tons of rain. Yeah. Or not enough rain, which causes the entire state to catch fire. All right. Well, there will now be no more discussion of California because it is time for happy news. Good news, everyone. All right. Our first piece of happy news, believe it or not, comes from the FDA. They have approved booster vaccines for uh, everyone who checks the right box uh, to say, like, oh, yes, I have a comorbidity. Um, and they also approved mix and match. So you don't have to get the same vaccine you got before, which all the studies show is actually provides better protection. Yep. Um, Reminder that you probably have a comorbidity because they have defined comorbidities in a pretty ridiculously broad and, uh, uh, frankly, kind of stupid way. But since there's no reason not to get a booster, I guess I can't complain about it too much. Yeah. Um, the CDC has also unanimously voted to recommend uh, boosters, including mix and match. So oh, really? It should be... I hadn't heard that. Yeah, it was like the next day, if you can believe wow. it. Yeah, they didn't drag their feet at all. It was amazing. I was like, who is this CDC and where have you been this whole time? <laughs> Seriously. Um, so those should be expected to uh, be authorized by the individual states, I guess, pretty soon. Yeah, great um, job, guys. Yeah. So go get your boosters. Of course, my state is probably not going to authorize it particularly soon because the only thing worse than blue states is red states. <laughs> womp womp. Well, good news. You can go to a different state and get it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess North Carolina is not that far a drive away. Yeah. 
All right. And Eniash, you have some happy news for us. I do. The U.S. is launching a new program that will allow uh, private Americans to sponsor and resettle Afghan refugees, which is, uh, I mean, not hasn't gone through yet, so maybe I'm jumping the gun a little, but uh, if this goes... I, uh, if this is implemented, this will be absolutely wonderful. People will be able to uh, raise money to sponsor individual Afghan refugees that, you know, translators that are now being hunted by the Taliban or whatever, uh, bring them here, settle them in some place until they can get on their feet. Uh, I particularly have a strong liking to this kind of program because a similar sort of program was what got my parents here from uh, from Poland. They they were Russian bloc refugees, and they were sponsored by people who flew them out here, met them at the airport, set them up at a little uh, one-bedroom place. I, I'm, I don't know the details because I was a toddler at the time, and I have no memory of it at all, but this is what they have told me, that, uh, that there were people whose goal it was to help bring down communism, and part of that was helping to resettle the refugees here in America, and, you know, worked great for us i'm very thankful for it so this is that's awesome yeah, yeah that's nice this is it. it's uh you know kind of yeah. reminds me of those so-called feel-good stories about people who get like giant medical bills and then uh do a kickstarter t- <laughs> to fund them right. where it's like i mean ideally we wouldn't need this at all but given the fact that we do it's nice that people are going to be able to step up yeah yeah also Seems like a good time for a periodic reminder that one of the reasons I'm so vociferously in favor of immigration is not that, um, like, immigrants want to come here and no one wants to, and no one who's here wants them to. It's that people in other countries want to live here, work here, etc. People here want to employ them, give them places to stay, etc. And then third parties unrelated to either of these transactions say no you can't do that and that's not a thing i'm okay with unless there's like extremely good reason which in this case there's not uh insert jesus consent meme here (laughs) yes quite uh all right excellent uh hopefully that actually gets off the ground and starts working but now it is time for troop deployments. I'm willing to put wave after wave of men at your disposal. As we all know, politics is the mind killer and arguments are soldiers. Uh, so in that spirit, we ask each of our hosts every episode to send a soldier out onto the battlefield. And we'll start with David. Yeah, so I had a different troop deployment. Decided to change it at the last minute because you've gotten enough libright smugness from me this episode. So expect <laughs> a lot of that in my troop deployment next episode. This troop deployment, I'm just going to talk about a thing I'm writing. Uh, so I uh, recently played the uh, Mass Effect Legendary Edition, which is fantastic. Uh, Mass Effect was one of the formative pieces of fiction that I absolutely loved in high school and early college. Uh, replaying it just reminded me of how fantastic it was. Um, and in fact, I, I think I actually got a lot more out of it playing through it as an adult. Um It also made me think some rather confusing thoughts about whether the reason I was so open to AI safety arguments is because I played Mass Effect during my formative years, (laughs) and that is, at its core, a game about AI safety. Uh, So I decided to write a Mass Effect rap fic, which uh, you can find in a link in the show notes or at gravitonfanfic.substack.com. Uh, I've read the first chapter. It's very good. I recommend. Thank you. 
How long is it uh, going to be in total, Dino? Uh, so I am currently working on Chapter 8, uh, which is... So you know how all Bioware games like have the introduction, then they have three to eight missions that you can do in any order, and then they have the conclusion? I know that. Okay. So uh, that I have just finished... The um, So this is basically a downtime chapter after the first of those post-dovetail missions uh, for the first game. So just, and there's also been three interludes, I think. Um, so just linearly extrapolating that, it's probably going to clock in at around um, 100 chapters or so. Ooh, that's uh, but... Uh, I have a lot more to say about the second two games and the stuff that happens in them, so I would make a tentative prediction uh, using a little bit more inside view that it'll be like um, two, 150 to 250. Uh, they are fairly short chapters, though. I'm aiming for like seven pages a chapter. Oh, okay. So tune in soon for Effective Mass, my read-through podcast. <laughs> Uh, uh, I will gladly do that podcast with you. You cannot do a read-through podcast of your own story. Yeah, that is not allowed, sir. You have to be the guest author who comes on like periodically to talk about it. That is fair. I'm happy to do that, too. All right. Well, thank you, David. Everyone, go read that story. Um, and Eniash, what do you have for us? Yeah, uh, my trick deployment is just be prepared to not be able to get stuff. The, this is back to the supply chain thing. Uh, it's going to keep getting worse throughout the year. It's, I mean, there are some people saying it might not even be cleared out until 2023. So if there's things that you know it would be uh, absolutely terrible to have to go for several months without, prepare, get those um, in your house somewhere, because uh, you, who knows, might not be able to get them, and maybe you will, maybe this will clear up, maybe it won't ever get so bad and you'll just have to pay more for stuff, but uh, if there's something that you really need to have around and not having it for a few months would really fuck up your life, get get some spares around. Order your Christmas gifts now, people! Oh, it's too late for that. <laughs> there's still some stuff out there. Alright, well thank you, Eniash. Sure. Uh, my troop deployment this week is that uh, apparently blue lives don't matter. <gasps> Since the summer of 2020, I've heard people using the phrase blue lives matter as a way of suggesting that if we prohibit the police from violating people's constitutional rights, that might end up with more dead cops, and that's intolerable. Blue lives matter, and no price is too high if it ends up saving the lives of officers. Unless, of course, that price is a COVID vaccine. Since the start of the pandemic, 94 officers total have died from gunshots. 476 have died from COVID-19. COVID is the leading cause of death in the line of duty for police officers. And yet police unions all across the country are digging their heels in to protect the right of officers to remain vulnerable to COVID. In Chicago, the union is encouraging officers to refuse to report their vaccination status, leading to a host of suspensions. In LA, the sheriff is refusing to enforce the mandate. Hundreds of officers in San Diego are threatening to quit rather than get vaccinated. In general, while there are no reliable numbers for the whole country, individual department statistics show that vaccination rates among police officers are lagging far below average. Now, <clears throat> I'm not trying to claim that mandates are definitely the right idea or that there's no reason not to get vaccinated, though I do think it's in almost everyone's best interest to do it. But I am saying 
that the vaccine will save blue lives and the cost of getting it is very low, much lower than the cost of something like qualified immunity, which we're told we must tolerate because without it, a few additional police might be killed every year. There is no world in which blue lives matter enough so that we need to tolerate shootings of unarmed suspects, but they don't matter enough to tolerate the small infringement of personal autonomy involved in getting the COVID vaccine. By resisting these vaccines, police unions are showing that they don't actually value the lives of their officers as much as they claim to, and reveal what most of us already knew, that the resistance to holding police accountable is just a self-interested power play. But don't get too excited, liberals, because I hear the slogan, Black Lives Matter, an awful lot, and yet I see very few BLM groups taking any action to get the black community vaccinated, despite the fact that the black vaccination rate is about 10% lower than the white one. In fact, the leader of Black Lives Matter New York is calling vaccine mandates racist and disrespectful, despite the fact that only about 30% of black New Yorkers are vaccinated. So Black Lives Matter enough such that we need big systemic changes to American society, but not enough to tolerate the small infringement of personal autonomy involved in getting the COVID vaccine? Get real. Activists, if you believe these slogans, prove it. Encourage your communities to protect themselves against the actual biggest current threat to their lives, COVID-19. If you don't, I guess you're proving what we already knew, that your slogans are just political tools that don't mean anything. So, here, here. <laughs> All right. That's our show for this week. Thanks for listening. Please follow us on uh, whatever platform you use to follow podcasts. Um, we're on Substack now, so please support us on Substack. It's uh, $5 a month, and you get access to our exclusive channel, to talk to us on discord uh you get early episodes and you get access to all of our uh our bonus episodes uh so do that um please leave us reviews and come back in two weeks same rat time same rat channel bye, bye.